This Agile Life. Episode 140. Squad, 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 squad. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hi, I'm Craig Vucek. And I'm Lee McCauley. And I'm John Sextro. Hey guys, how's it going? Okay. It's been a fun week. Yay. Sarcastically or actually fun? No, actually fun. Nice. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, we've uh, uh, we're heading towards a release and uh, but we feel good about it and so uh, that's that's the fun part. And of course you've been releasing all the time, so no worries. Yeah, we've been releasing to uh, uh, to about six people uh, for that counts for a while. Yeah, <laughs> that counts. Well, that's um, that's good, and you know it it makes me think of something, and it's our topic tonight. It's like, so how do you know if your if your team is healthy? And I would I would say you know a lot of people might say, well, what do you mean by healthy? And I would say regularly uh, delivering value. Following following the solid agile principles and practices, and uh, sustainable pace, and uh, team team happiness. That's my favorite metric. It's it'll tell you a lot, or or it'll be a proxy for a lot. Maybe is I mean, there is is there a way that you like scientifically sort of try and assess happiness, Craig? I just ask people. People have a decent feeling for how things are going. I mean, usually you can tell if your team's doing poorly or well. Um, so that that's a good proxy for if it really is going well or not, right? Um, so I, I use it. I mean, there's a lot of metrics we just can't measure or that are too hard to measure, too costly to measure. So sometimes we have to use proxy measurements. And, and the ha- to me, the happiness is, is the best one of those at all. Um, I've used sort of two different happiness metrics. Um, one is just like, how happy are you specifically? And then the other was actually just asking, how well do you think the team is doing from, from one to five? What about uh, you, Lee? Is there is there anything that you've done, like sort of formally or informally even, to try and assess general happiness of individuals? It's, it's interesting because we've, uh, at the company you and I work for, John, um, we've tried several things along this line. We had uh, some formal, uh, what we called health checks, where we would actually have a coach come in and facilitate a discussion with the team. It's kind of like a retrospective, but it's a focused retrospective. And there are, uh, we would try to gather some metrics about some specific, um, uh, types of things that were going on in the in the team, and then just talk about them with the help of a coach. Um, and and those I thought were it brought out some really interesting conversations. Um, and I think it could tell when a team is going badly. I couldn't. I, I'm not sure if it was uh, the best way um, to do that though, because it did. There was some overhead involved. So. Informally, I I kind of agree with with Craig. I mean, to some degree, you get a you get a sense for um, how excited 
your team is about uh, about doing the work that they're doing um, because it just changes the look on their face. It changes the energy in the in the team area. And sometimes it's if you feel that uh, that energy drain out in some way, then just asking it, it sounds it sounds kind of silly, but uh, in some cases it's just as simple as saying, "Hey, uh, I, I see we're not. It feels like we're not uh, uh, that the morale is a little low. Is there something going on? You know what's what's going on?" And uh, teams will usually tell you. So I actually had a team where they didn't tell us. Basically, they didn't care enough, then they just said, "Hey, everything's going great," um, even when it was clear that it wasn't. Hmm. So that that's an interesting question of how do you uh, how do you get people to care or be honest? And it could be, yeah. I mean, maybe this <clears throat> maybe the team had gotten so unhappy that that they didn't care anymore. You know, like Craig said, so they had just sort of given up. But were there is is that were there signs? Is that a yeah. Were there signs, Craig? Were there early signs that were showing that the, the team was the the happy they were they were the happiness was going out of the team, they were giving up, they had stopped caring. Um, I mean it was just a subset of the team, I think, that stopped caring. Um and the the thing about the happiness metric is you want it to be anonymous, um, so people are honest, but then you don't know who's the unhappy person either. So uh, what I really would have liked was a a um, anonymous system that tracked each person's over time, uh, but I could only track aggregates over time. Yeah, or um, you know the complete set. Uh, it wasn't an average; it was actually the you know the aggregate. I could see all the numbers, but I didn't know who who it was. Um, but eventually, like the numbers just started looking weird. Like every other week, you know, they'd be different, and there wasn't any sort of it stopped becoming useful because the numbers just kind of randomly jumped and they didn't seem to be related to right. Right. Um, actual people's feelings. So they became kind of useless. Um, so but, sometimes but when, like, when it seems like people don't care, usually what that means isn't that they don't care. It's that they don't believe that, uh, anything is whatever they say doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Or things aren't going to get better. Right. And in some ways it's not, in some ways how happy you are isn't as, as important to me as can we get better than we are now. Um, and I think, again, you know, I mean, if you're unhappy, you feel like you're not going to get better. Um, I guess that's more depression than unhappiness. though. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Hey, I get depressed. You know, if, if I'm, if things aren't going well for me at a job, I actually do get depressed. So sure. um, maybe that is what was happening. So you said uh, you were collecting yours anonymously. I've, I've actually for a while had had a set of questions that I ask teams and I, I, I've done both. I've asked the questions anonymously and uh, in one particular team, everyone agreed they were okay with, uh, with doing them with their names attached to them. And that was, that was probably one of the healthiest teams I had been a part of. And people would be honest and they would say, you know, I'm just, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy right now. And then, you know, we would talk about it and it'd be like, why, why aren't you happy? Well, we can't get the, we can't get something released into production. Yeah, that's true. What, why, what can we do about it? You know, we talk through it. Well, it, it ended up that we couldn't do anything about it. So everybody was sort of, 
<laughs> they, yeah. they were all sort of uh, unhappy about the same sort of things, but we, you know, we, we worked ourselves through it. We talked ourselves through it. We, we figured out, you know, what are the things we can control? What are the things that we can't control? This is one of those things that we just can't particularly control in this case. And it's part of our life. We don't have to, we don't have to like it, but it's, it's important to separate between the things you can control and the things that you can't control. Yeah, there's there's some uh, retrospective exercises where you actually do separate, you know, here's the things we have troubles with and here's the things we can control and here's the things we're just going to have to learn how to put up with. Would you, would you consider that team a high-functioning team? Very much so, yes. Yeah, Yeah. so it sounds like it because, okay, so we're trying to find some criteria here, right? Um, it sounds like trust was one of the criteria that they were um, excelling at. If you could actually ask them how they were feeling and they would they would be honest with you. Yeah. And that was, that didn't happen by accident. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time building, building that trust. It was, it was an exceptional situation where the, the group came, got, had a real good chance to come together early and spend time building trust before, before we got started in earnest. And so when you can, when you can do things like devote time to that upfront team building and, and morale building and, and trust building, it's, it's really critical. I mean, it's, it can be critical to the success. Um, another metric that we use um, on my current team at stand-up every day is um, we do a one to five. Um, we actually have two week sprints. Uh, I'm not a fan of sprints, but that's, that's what comes down from above. Uh, and we, um, we have a metric every day. How well, how, um, how likely are we to finish the sprint uh, with the, uh, getting all the stories across. Um, and so that can be a good indicator, you know, a weekend that we're falling behind um, and something needs to be addressed or there's um, some things that are blocked and need to be addressed. Yeah. And, and uh, do you think that that information, the metric about uh, how you're doing and, and how you're progressing in the sprint, is that, does that correlate to happiness for the team? Does it cause, is it causation or just correlation? Um, Probably there's a little bit of correlation and probably some cause there, but I, I haven't really looked at it in that aspect. It's, it's usually more a tool to um, help the project manager uh, determine where to, uh, product owner, whoever to, to decide where to focus. Right, right. Um, so there were a couple of other questions that it j- so on my form on my questionnaire that we would use there there were the first question was always are you happy one to ten uh, and then the second question was uh, there were a few more questions there were like four more questions I've got them in front of me actually right now I'm going to share them with everybody so uh, the next question that I would ask is on a scale of one to ten how productive did you feel when you were pairing when you were mobbing whatever you were working on. <clears throat> Um, and the, the next question was, how informed did you feel as a member of the team? And I guess that could be sort of subjective, but of course, it's relative to the work that you're doing. So how informed did you feel about the work that you were working on? Uh, one, this is a really interesting one. Um, yes or no, in the past five days, because I did this weekly, did you consider and or actually stay home from work because you needed a break from work? 
that that one was sort of I think the most controversial question that was on there because mm-hmm. it would sometimes people would have a hard time admitting, yeah, I I wanted to I wanted to stay home today to take a break. You know, it's sort of that I'm feeling depressed about work and that sort of thing. So so did your your question did it say uh, di- uh, did you stay home or did you feel like yeah, staying did home? you did you or did you actually or did you consider staying home from work? Uh, or did you consider? So I would have probably, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the consider is probably a good question. The actually, um, uh, if, if only one person answers and there was one person <laughs> gone last week, you pretty much know who <laughs> no, it was. I mean, these people, <laughs> in this case, the, these people put their names on these. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're outing themselves is the problem here. And, and that could be a, you know. If you take, call in sick and you're not sick, that's, you know, in a lot of places, a punishable offense, possibly even termination. Yeah, I don't I think most of uh, most of us, though, realize that occasionally you have to take you know breaks. you got to take vacations just to keep your sanity. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be that you decided, hey, I'm I'm taking an unexpected day of PTO. It, it wasn't. <clears throat> anyway, there's ways. There's ways that people would handle that. And then uh, the last couple of questions are, did you feel like you learned and or improved? So that was one of the things that you mentioned, Craig, about, you know, can we can we improve? Are we improving? And then this was a really weird one. I I didn't it didn't it didn't work out the way I hoped it would. But it was like, how many times did you feel pain working on the team? And then I would ask people to, like, hit a bunch of checkboxes about what things caused them to feel pain. It was it the coworkers, the process, our retro, um, the way the stories were written, and it's just a whole laundry list, a whole laundry list of things, and we we help use that to generate insights in our at our retros. So, have you guys seen the uh, retrospective exercise where you kind of plot your happiness over the 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 length of the sprint, or mm-hmm. or or since the last retrospective? Um, that sounds like a, a similar thing, actually. So, you know, you look at the low points and try to figure out, you know, what happened at that point? Why was that? So my, my only problem with that particular activity is just the execu- the, the execution of it in that somebody has to be first, usually if you're doing it up on a big whiteboard, right? And so it tends to then follow whoever was first. People will tend to follow that match uh, a lot of the times. Not everybody will, but some people will. Yeah. So anchoring. there's a good, yeah, exactly. Anchoring is exactly right. There's a way to do it though, where you give everybody a sheet of paper and have them do it yes. that way. I've also done it with a, a length of, um, of string. That's much harder to, <laughs> to solidify, <laughs> to solidify it and, and stand up in front of a group and share about, but you do it on the, on the floor or on a table or something like that. And that was fun. Have you ever done the one where people stand where they feel a horseshoe? <laughs> Horseshoe mode, that sort of thing. I've seen it just as a straight line. Okay. Like, hey, if you think the, if you think the sprint went well, stand on this end, and you think it went poorly, stand on this end, and then kind of stand in between somewhere in between the two ends. Yeah, I, I have, and I I think that sort of that sort of uh, suffers from some of that anchoring thing as well. Mm-hmm. Who, who wants mm-hmm. to be the person that that stands yeah. diametrically opposed from from everyone else? I prefer anonymous stickies for, for pretty much all retrospective questions like that. Um, I, I guess if I had a team that was uh, high trusting, then, then maybe I wouldn't um, have that preference. But um, 
you know, I haven't always been in charge and, and the, most of the, most of the facilitators I've had did not uh, do things anonymously. So interestingly, I'm not sure that, um, uh, it always has to be anonymous, but I think the stickies when you're, when you're actually doing those, it, it at least starts off with you, you're not anchoring to somebody else. Right. Right. And so even if, even if everybody's willing to share, you, you get rid of that subconscious sort of, a. Uh, bias to be in as part of the group. Okay. So, um, Lee, you, you alluded to the health check, the, the concept of a health check. And, and, yeah. uh, it, it, I don't think this is any sort of a secret mechanism. As a matter of fact, uh, I think we sort of borrowed it from Henrik Nyberg at Spotify back in 2014. He wrote, he wrote a thing up and I've got a, a link I'll put in the show notes to his original blog post at, at Spotify Labs, where he talks about doing this, doing this, uh, this squad. They called it Squad Health Check, and I like, I really like Squad. By the way, I said Squad way before it was cool with the kids. So Ooh. say that, say that word like five or six times, and it just st- starts to sound really stupid. Yeah, it does sound weird. It sounds stupid when I say it, regardless, <laughs> just because it's me. But <clears throat> so he calls it the Squad Health Check. Uh, squad, 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 Squad. Yeah, sounds stupid. Uh, <laughs> so so we, we called it the team health check. But if you check out the squad health check model, uh, there's there's a, a bunch of, uh, what do they have, like maybe 10, maybe 11 or so different axes of, of things that you're assessing. And you give them a red light, yellow light, or a green light. So everybody anonymously, <laughs> Craig, for you, anonymously, or not anonymously, but privately, rates everything red yellow green and then uh, that's collected somehow maybe everybody flips over a card or puts a sticky note or something so we've we've actually had like three different ways that we've done this um we've done a uh kind of a a poll that was sent out before the health check uh meeting where everybody just filled it out themselves um and that works uh we had um We've done. There's a card deck that you can buy. I forget who puts it out. Is it ThoughtWorks? No, Spotify. Um, well, is it yeah. Spotify's? I thought somebody has a has no, a deck of cards. I, I think we have a deck of cards. Oh, maybe we <laughs> yeah. did that. Okay, sorry. So <laughs> we no, have a deck bought, of cards I for those. Some on, I bought some on some on uh, Amazon. I think. No, you can't buy cards. I can find them. <laughs> no, I have some agile cards like for retrospective ideas, okay. I think. These- okay. So, and the, the other way that we did, and I actually, uh, this was going to be one of my, uh, uh, one of my picks for the day. Um, we also tied a thing called Plicker. Um, it's designed for classrooms so that teachers can, uh, can get a good idea of what uh, their students uh, are thinking. Um, and how they answer a question really quick. And it's really kind of cool. What they do is each person has a, a QR code, uh, you know, 2D, a 2D barcode that is assigned to them. So you can actually uh, figure out uh, the data could be correlated back to an individual as to who answered what, um, but it doesn't have to be. And, uh, and depending on how you hold it, answer, uh, you can have four different, it's like a multiple choice thing. You know, if you hold one side up, it's an A, you rotate it 90 degrees, it's a B, another 90, it's a C, you get the idea. Yeah. And, uh, 
uh, and then there's an app on your phone and you just kind of scan through all the people that are holding up their, their QR codes and nobody knows by looking at it, what the, uh, what the, the value is that the other persons or people are holding up. Um, that's brilliant. But you can see quickly. Yeah. You can see quickly as soon as you scan around, you can see, okay, well, we had, uh, 80% of us, uh, answered a and 20% answered C. Um, do we want to talk about that or not? You know, so clickers. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I love that. So I found my, my agile coaching cards here. They are for, from inspect and mm. And the set I have is the retrospective retrospective coaching cards. Um, so, I mean, some of the questions are actually things we're talking about here. How much do you agree with the statement? I just loved coming to work. What would make you agree with that statement more? Yeah. So these cards are, um, are really just red, green or yellow on them. Oh, okay. And you just use them like, Those like Lee nice. was talking about using clicker to, uh, you just to report, but the, they, they also have a set of cards that have the questions on them. Uh, so that you could just have those, but that's the, so there's, there's this axis of things that, um, that they ask questions about how do you, how supported do you feel? How's your teamwork? Do you feel like pawns or players? Um, do you have a mission? Are you, do you understand your mission? How's the health of your code base? Do you have a suitable process? Are you delivering value? Are you learning? How's your speed? Are you, is it easy to release and are you having fun? So that's a, that's ticked off a number of the things that we've sort of already talked about. Hasn't it Lee? Yeah. I think maybe, um, one that I didn't, I didn't think about, I didn't think about when I was authoring my questions was this whole idea of, are you a pawn or a player and how do you sort of, feel about that question or what do you think that question is trying, trying to get at? So at least for me, the, uh, uh, it, it has to do with how empowered the, the members of the team feel to, uh, about what they're building. Are, are they basically just being micromanaged, uh, at, at one extreme or do they have full control over everything at the other extreme? And usually it's somewhere in between. Hopefully it's more towards the, the full control. Um, but that's often, uh, not possible to have full control. The customer, you know, unless you are the customer, uh, you're not going to have full control. One, one of the things that strikes me about that, Lee, you mentioned the whole thing about control and how much control you have. And, and you're right. I think to a certain extent that the pawn or player question always was, always just sort of was like a throwaway to me as I would answer that one. I felt like, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be totally owning everything because you always have somebody that you're, um, you know, answering to, like when I when I was a kid, I remember I I said to my dad, one day I want to be the president of a company, because you don't have a boss when you're the president of a company. And my dad was like, <laughs> boy, are you are so wrong. When you're the president of a company, you have more bosses than than you can imagine. You've got stockholders and <laughs> and board members and 
And, you know, I was like, oh, geez, well, I want to be the chairman of the board. It was like, no, he's got bosses, too. There's no situation where you're <laughs> <laughs> where you don't have a boss yeah. or somebody. To- in case you guys in case you guys didn't realize we are social animals. Um, and until until we decide to live on an island by ourselves, uh, you're going to have people and bosses and uh Others you have to play nice with. What, Craig, what do you think about this uh, question about uh, being a pawn or a player and how that might relate to the health of a team? Um, I think I think you have to be invested. And, yeah, I think if you feel like a pawn, you don't feel invested in, so you're not going to contribute to your to your best ability. Yeah, I guess, and that's a real valuable point, that um, the extreme there, that extreme feeling of being a pawn, is just so so negative uh, that it, that it's totally count, counter to your your health and your happiness and your productivity. If you're if you're totally feeling like you're just being drugged around by by a leash all of the time, then you, you have to feel like you have some some amount of autonomy, right? That's one of the big one of the big things that we always <laughs> talk about with happiness is autonomy. Yeah, the uh, the MAP. Um, so mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Yep. Okay. Uh, are there any other ones from the squad health check that sort of jump out at anybody as being interesting or or odd that they that they exist there? Um, I really like the informed one. It, it kind of speaks to communication, how communication is going on your team, um, and I I would say. I mean, I think we've been harping on for a couple of years now that the trust and communication are sort of the two biggest things um, that that help teams be productive and high performing. And uh, maybe empathy um, mixed in there, but that's almost sort of in between trust and communication to me. It's interesting because I think um, there's a there's a strong interplay between the trust and empathy. Part, right. Um, uh, you can have uh, a lot of trust in somebody, but no empathy. Uh, and uh, and it still comes across. As, you still don't have a, a connection. Right. Or you can have empathy and no trust. And then you're just you may be coddling somebody. There's there's all kinds of problems that come uh, from that as well. So you really have to have both. And uh you really can train people for that. I mean, that's uh, you. You really can't learn it. Yeah, I, I, I believe I can learn it because I think I have. Um, whether it can be taught, that I'm not so sure. I believe um, I'd really like to see um, that. Actually, like if you could provide some stuff in the show notes where I can find some of that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Which side of it, the empathy side or the trust side? Uh, more the empathy than the trust. I think. I, I think I've seen some things about how to build trust. You know, we all heard trust building exercises and stuff like right. that. Um, I don't know how effective those are, but at least we've heard of those. So uh, a I lot of the, uh, I think a lot of the, um, the team building exercises, just having teams spend time with each other outside of work, uh, that builds empathy. Just getting yeah, to definitely. know somebody as a person. Yeah, that builds empathy. Um, now, now the different people have different capacities for uh, uh, for understanding other people's empathy, 
yeah. uh, na- naturally, but but it can uh, uh, unless you're a sociopath, um, <laughs> it, it can it can uh, get better over time. Yeah, so we'll 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 scratch the, them the, off the list. We know we can't we can't fix them. Well, they can usually yeah, the CEO anyway, it, or the salesperson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can um, fake it exactly. That's true. They're usually pretty good at that. Um, I forgot what I was yeah, going to talk about. So while Craig remembers what he was going to mention, I'll I'll throw out there for your benefit, Craig, that and I'm putting it in as one of my picks, that there's a thing called an empathy map. That's an exercise you can do. Uh, this is a structured way of doing what Lee sort of talked about when you when you spend time with people and you get to uh, you get to learn more about them. It's easier to empathize with them, but there are times when uh, you won't have you won't have that personal one to one or even team based interaction with someone. So it could be that you know there's you've got a you've got a product owner or a customer or a, a, an executive or something that that is impacting you and your team, but they're never around. Maybe they're not even in the same area as you or the same building as you. And so they become they become this sort of um, anonymous, uh, feelingless robot that 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 causes pain to you and to your team. And by going through this empathy map exercise and 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 putting yourself sort of into that person's shoes and considering what are they really dealing with, you know, what what are the things that are impacting them that helps you build some empathy. So I really haven't thought about this this way before, but pairing is sort of that one-on-one interaction that builds empathy. Uh, yet, yet another plus in the uh, in the column for pairing. Um, as far as team building exercises, I would caution that um, they can backfire. Um, <laughs> like if you you know you're all going to a bar and one person doesn't drink, or you know, especially if they have you know. Um, a moral issue against drinking or, you know, they're an alcoholic or that's in recovery like that, that can definitely backfire. And then that you tried to make this team building effort and then it actually, actually hurt that person's relationship with the rest of the team. So be careful with those for sure. That's true. Yeah. The kinds of things that we do or we've done around here that I think have been really successful is we did uh, ax throwing. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun one. Um, we've done demo ball, which is for those people who don't know, it's kind of like lacrosse meets bumper cars. <laughs> that sounds um, safe. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, the escape the rooms. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, I was just going to ask about that. That sounds like a pretty good I, one. I actually have a. Yeah. I just did that with my family. Recently. I actually have a, a set of, and I think I still, I might be able to put them on, put them up on uh, the website or something. But I have a set of questions that I developed for a, as a debrief for using for using escape rooms as as a team building activity, so that you could you could uh, you could do a debrief afterwards and find out, you know, what did you learn about how you work together as a team. What's you know how do you, how do you draw a correlation a bit up between that and how you work together? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I think the best team I have ever seen do a uh, an escape the room was my daughter's Dungeons and Dragons group. Really? Oh my gosh, That's they funny. were amazing. My my teams at work could totally learn from these guys. And, 
And so now I want to get my teams playing Dungeons and Dragons with each other. <laughs> what do you think? It, it, what do you think it is the key there? What was what was it about this group that made them so good? Okay. So first off, I have been around while they do their uh, while they play their games and they're dungeoning um, and they're dragoning. They, yeah, and they're they're very much listening to each other's stories as part of the game, and they're very much. Uh, playing off of each other, and it's D and D. At least for them, is very much a, an exercise in uh, uh, in improv. Yes, right. And and so once you get to something that's a work kind of a, an item, uh, like the escape the room, they knew exactly how to read each other, and it was it was great. So I, I bet they're self organizing too when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. Although they, although they do have a uh, a dungeon master, of course, of course they but, have. Uh, well, that's, well, that's not sort of the players, though. That's the person running the game. So yeah. right, yeah, that's a good point. The self organizing, um, you know, the, it, a lot of that is like that whole concept of of a of a band playing jazz together, where you know you're list, trying to listen to what somebody else is doing because you don't have sheet music that everybody's playing off of. So you're listening to what each other is doing. And that's the improv side of the, that jazz, the jazz stuff that really sort of correlates into that whole metaphor, I think, or that whole reality really. Well, so what else do we have to say about team health? Um, so when I think about whether a team is, is high functioning or, you know, um, how far along the agile path they are, I, I sometimes look at um, the agile practices. What, what agile practices have they tried? Um, I, I don't know if I'd say what have they been successful with, but have they tried things um, and found whether they work for the team or not? So, you know, if the team is pairing, then, you know, you know, they try pairing. Um, if they're not pairing, do they have a good reason for that, or do they just not want to try pairing? Um, so I, I would say if they if they tried pairing and found that it didn't work for their particular situation, then that's fine with me. Um, but if they didn't try it at all, I would I would say that's probably not a, a high functioning team. Mm. So do you have to be healthy to be a high functioning team? Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah, I can't. It would be hard to wrap my mind around that not being the case. Yeah, I think you, I think if you're if you're not happy, which I would equate to healthy, then uh, I think that people would sort of, in a lot of cases, just be stuck going through going through the motions on a daily basis. And I, I'm sure that there are teams and and places that where people work like that, where they just are like. I just drag my butt in here every day. I, you know, do my eight hours. I try not to rock the boat and then I get the heck out of there. I I would actually say I was in that place. Um, my last job part, some of the time. Um, and, and it was actually a pretty decently functioning team. Um, I just wasn't happy there. I didn't feel like I was contributing. It was, it was the problem there like, or making an, an impact or a dent or moving forward. It, it was kind of like, it was a pretty high functioning team that wasn't moving forward very much. And part of that was because they were high functioning. Right. Um, but also it was all senior developers. And so there was no, 
there were no junior or mid mid level developers to to bring along. So I, I definitely was missing out on on some of that um, as, as part of my purpose. Well, that's an interesting that's an interesting situation. Maybe that was that's something we could talk about in a in a future show. John is uh, uh, what is the the role of the composition of a team, and what's what composition makes the best team for the long term. Um, interestingly, for Craig, at least, it seems like having a mix of junior and and senior developers is a really good good team for him. I wonder what other people think about that. That's a great topic. We'll have to we'll have to explore that in a future episode of this Agile Life. But guys, did we miss anything? Is there is there anything that you feel strongly about health wise, happiness wise with teams for yourself that we have not talked about? So Amos has a story uh, about a team that he was uh, leading. We don't care um, about him, and he's the, not the, here. I, it's an interesting oh, story. You're going to steal. It's, it's, okay, it's you're even, stealing his story. Good. Okay. Yes, I'm stealing Steal. his story. Steal. Yes. Um, so um, the team had, I believe, it was weekly retrospectives, and um, they spent the whole retrospective complaining about their chairs. Like, well, I adjust my chair, and I expect to have this chair. <laughs> and you know, they spent a whole hour retrospective complaining about Jeez. you know chairs. And yeah, but Amos's takeaway was that this is a high performing team because this is the biggest complaint they have on the team. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's counterintuitive, right? Like uh, when they're complaining about chairs, like it seems like you know they could have better things to complain about. But I think if you looked at it, they didn't have anything better to complain about. That's interesting. I've heard people um, take a different a different angle, a negative angle on something like that where a team sort of repeatedly uh, repeatedly has superficial issues, which I'll call the chair situation superficial where they just, they just have these superficial issues that they talk about in retros and they never get into anything sort of meaty. That's like process improvement or those sorts of things, you know? And then everybody's like, well, that team must be really unhealthy because they can't even just get past all of these little superficial issues and on to like some real, real issues. But you know, who I didn't know the teams well enough to assess them and say that, Oh yeah, there's all this buried stuff that they're just not getting to. So, but in your case, you're pretty confident that, that they were just that healthy, that the only thing to, the only thing to retrospect about was the, quality of the, the the positioning of the chairs yeah um and i've i've definitely seen and had teams that you know the retrospective is just a uh, um a time to complain and, and you don't actually make any progress and and this this was not that team i had, i had been on that team before this happened and uh i actually believe his story that uh, yeah they they didn't have they they probably shouldn't have had a retrospective really because there weren't enough to talk about. I'll give them something to complain about. Take all the damn chairs away. <laughs> <laughs> this week's hottest picks. Lee, why don't you start us off with your pick? Yeah, so uh, my pick. I kind of mentioned this earlier. I kind of gave the the overview of it, so I won't say a whole lot more about it. But clickers. Uh, it's at git.plickers.com. 
Uh, and again, it's it was actually originally designed for classrooms. So if you're a teacher out there, as my wife is, um, this is actually a pretty neat tool. If you've uh, uh, if you've got access to that kind of technology in your classroom, it's very cool. All right, I'll go next. Uh, my pick is is the empathy map, and I think I've probably I'm almost positive I've I've used that before as a as a pick. But at this point. After 140 shows, which this is the hundred our 140th episode, which is actually means it's 141 because we started with zero like dorks and <clears throat> have you know screwed up our math ever since then. But uh, it's hard it's hard to keep coming up with things that are that are new and interesting. But Lee did it with clickers. So, Craig, what do you have? Anything? Uh, yeah. Um, so my pick is TCR. Um, uh, it's not invented by Kent Beck, but, uh, I heard about it through a, uh, blog post from Kent Beck and TCR stands for <laughs> test, commit, revert. And the idea is you run your test and if it passes, you commit. And if it doesn't, you revert. So that's pretty scary. In fact, um, I'm assuming you also paragraph- wrote some code in there. You didn't mention that part of it, but. Right, okay. right, right. Um, uh, in the first paragraph, Kent says, I hated the idea, so I had to try it, which I find awesome, actually. Um, so, you know, it, some people are trying this idea um, that it's going by the, the name TCR um, or test and commit or revert. Um, so it's basically pushing you to make smaller changes yeah. uh, for sure. No doubt. Yeah, I like yeah. that. So, so, so basically push it to its limit. Um, sort of like, you know, Amos and the, the, uh, one hour pair switching, push it to its limits. Um, and it'll push other things to, to, uh, in a good direction for the most part. Um, so I haven't tried it, but, um, I'm definitely interested in trying that. Well, when you do, you'll have to report back to us. If anybody else is out there doing it, let us know how that's working out for us, for you. You can send us a tweet at this agile life. Um, and, some people are still on our Slack channel and they can talk to us over there. Let us know. That's it. Show's over. <laughs> Bye-bye. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.